Well, thanks, Lorraine. I always love to tell people to, uh, to have the Bible open in front of them. And uh, the joy of the electronic thing is that you'll always find Jonah on page one of your Bibles uh, on your phone. Uh, that'll be great. If you can turn uh, Jonah up, that would be really helpful for our message today. I'd love to have you uh, follow along with me. I'm going to be preaching predominantly from chapter two, but I wanted to get chapter one uh, into, uh, into our views so that chapter two would make sense. Well, let me pray and ask God's help. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you're present with us this morning. We thank you that your word is alive and active, and God, do we need it today. Father, by your Holy Spirit, take this word, challenge and change us, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, I want to ask you, have you ever run away? Have you ever run away? Has anyone here put up, put up your hands if you guys ever run away? Yeah, very good. Uh, did anyone ever get very far when they ran away? No. See, the, fun, the funny thing about running away is that you almost don't want to succeed. If you succeed, if you genuinely have a running away moment, then you find yourself with a tiny suitcase, uh, a sandwich, and uh, a lot of loneliness all of a sudden. It actually becomes scary if you succeed on the whole. So do you ever run away? It's funny, we're doing Jonah, I, I, I was reading this passage uh, earlier in the week and I was thinking, what are we going to preach on this week as we talk about the coronavirus and how to respond as a church? And it struck me that many of us are running away from God. We've been running away for a long time. What are some ways that we run away from God? Well, the first one, I think, is uh, the practical atheist. Maybe you're God conscious but in practice, you don't expect God to do very much at all. And so, yes, yes, I know that you're there, God, but we're not paying any attention. That's still running away from God. That's the practical atheist. Then we've got what I call the pleasant pirates, the pleasant pirates. The pleasant pirates, I mean, this is a little, uh, little picture here of a, um, uh, a riverboat with a pirate flag at the back. I mean, how lame. What are they going to do? Hijack the kayaks that are going past or something and rob them. But in our hearts, in our pleasant ways, we say to God, I'm very happy running life my own way. I don't want you. I don't need you in my heart. And so we're rebels against the king. Pleasant, but actually spiritual pirates rejecting the authority of God. The third one, I guess, is uh, maybe this is a little bit closer to home, part-time Christians. So people who will say, put on the the, the Sunday best. The Sunday best might be your attitude. It, it might be uh, what they call the car park miracle, where all of a sudden your family looks wonderful and together as they walk into the building, and then we go back home and we pick up fighting over the cereal or whatever it was that happened just before we walked into the door. And so we live our lives compartmentalized away from God and his involvement in our lives. See, many of us, I think, in all sorts of pretty ordinary ways, are actually running away from God, just like Jonah did. But it's, it's interesting times we're in, aren't we? Uh, the, this is a, a map of Alaska, I think, from like the 16th century. Uh, uh, no, Alaska, Iceland, uh, from the 16th century. And you can see, if you have a look at it, uh, down the bottom, you've got all these crazy creatures, right? And they used to say on the maps, there be dragons, there be dragons, because it's just unknown waters, right? Well, I think in many ways, we're in unknown waters as a community at the moment. I saw overnight that the deaths in Italy was over 700 yesterday. Our airlines are closing down. Bondi was closed down yesterday. We have rationing of toilet paper. Now, just imagine 
church. I, I know that we know this, but go back four weeks and tell people you can only take one... Well, they're probably doing that anyway, weren't they, before the madness struck. But something strange has happened to our community. And so the rhythm and the reason, that the, all the bits that make sense of our community are changing at the moment. And some people revel in change, don't they? Is anyone here a change freak? Love it when things change? Some of us are stability people. I actually love change, but some of us are stability people. I mean, anything isn't right, isn't just so, we feel like the whole earth is off axis. Some of you might be feeling like that this morning. So where do we turn? What do we do when our world is off axis? Have you ever had one of those moments where you're wandering around, uh, you're lost, but you have no phone reception? Because, you know, it used to be that you could get lost, but then wherever we are, we just pull out our phones, right? Have you ever had one of those moments where you're lost and you have no reception? Well, then we really do have that feeling of, oh, my goodness, where's my help? I can't call out for help, no reception, and I don't know where I am. And so there's a sense in which we're doubly lost. Well, you'll be surprised to know that Jonah didn't have a mobile phone and that he was quite lost. Have a look with me. Let's come to the Bible. We're in Jonah chapter 2. And I want to look at verses 1 to 2 that pick up from the reading that Lorraine brought us just before. From inside the fish, Jonah prayed to the Lord his God. He said, in my distress, I called to the Lord and he answered me. From the deep in the realm of the dead, I called for help and you listened to my cry. It's really interesting. It's an obvious point, perhaps, but God always has reception. And if you've ever wondered, no, we don't need to put our hands together so that God has the antenna, you know, linked up. It's not how it works. God always has reception. You're never too far from him. The really interesting thing, just like Jonah in the belly of a fish, deep distress always brings a prayer. It really does. When we're at the end, when not just the mobile phone, but everything falls apart, what do we do? We naturally call out to God. God, help me, is our cry. And so that's Jonah's cry right here. I want you to see, though, he'd been running away from God. That's what he'd been doing. He set himself out to go away from God. The storm came. His very strange boatmates had thrown him overboard. He's been swallowed by a fish. All of this is highly unusual, right? Not the usual thing that would happen. He sunk down into the depths. And finally, what does he do? Actually, God, you know what? I want to stop running away from you. And now I need you. I'm going to cry out to you for help. And that's actually a big turn. It's a big turn to go from running away to going, God, help me. Perhaps a number of us are starting to make that turn. Uh, at the moment. Well, what does it feel like to feel like there's no hope? I, I think the, the most incredible story we've heard of no hope to hope has been that story of the boys in the cave in Thailand. Do you remember? Of course you do. This extraordinary story of these boys that were all trapped in a cave that flooded and the amazing effort that was put in to bring them back to safety. Have a listen to the way Jonah describes his distress here. He says, uh, verse 3, You held me into the depths, into the very heart of the seas, and the currents swirled about me. All your waves and breakers swept over me. I said, I've been banished from your sight, yet I will look again towards your holy temple. The engulfing waters threatened me. The deep surrounded me. 
seaweed wrapped around my head. To the roots of the mountains I sank down, the earth beneath barred me in forever. But you, Lord my God, brought my life up from the pit. When my life was ebbing away, I remembered you, Lord, and my prayer rose to your holy temple. What's really interesting, getting out of a terrible situation is described here as getting out of a pit. You've heard people say, I'm in the pits at the moment. Have you heard that tenor phrase? What does it feel like when everything is going bad? It's like we're trapped in, in a pit. And so Jonah here describes his salvation as being brought up from the pit. I want you to notice that God is the rescuer. He's always the rescuer. When we run out of all of our resources, it'll be God who's behind putting things back together. And so that cry, God help me, there's always somebody on the end of that phone. And God is the God who provides the rescue. It's interesting though, have a look uh, with me here at verse 6. To the roots of the mountains I sank down. I guess it's the depth of the sea. The earth barred me in forever. But you, Lord my God, brought me up from the pit. So I just want to observe a little funny thing in the text there, right? He says, the earth barred me in forever, but you, God, brought me up from the pit. What does that tell us? I just think experientially, sometimes it feels like our troubles and hardships last forever, don't they? Really? I'll never get out of this. Have you had that thought? There's no hope for me. This has been going on forever. But here it says... The earth barred me in forever, but you, God, brought my life up from the pit. And so I think there's hope, even when it feels like there's none. This idea of the pit actually echoes in Scripture. I've got a picture of my Bible timeline that'll come up on the screen there. And if we go through in the Old Testament to the time of the Psalms, uh, when King David was around, uh, the book of Psalms was being written, a book of hymns and songs for Israel, about 1,000 BC, thereabouts. Listen to these incredible words from Psalm 40 and verses 1 to to 3. I waited patiently for the Lord. Sometimes we don't, though. Is that right? Right? It's a song, right? It's beautiful. Is, is 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 that all? No, anyway, you've got it. I waited patiently for the Lord. He turned and heard my cry. He lifted me out of the slimy pit, out of the mud and mire, and he set my feet on rock and gave me a firm place to stand. He put a new song in my mouth, a hymn of praises to our God. Many will see him and fear the Lord and put their trust in him. Do you see this theme? From the pit, God can rescue. From the pit, God can rescue. And we need that rescue, don't we? Have a look with me at verses 8 and 9. Jonah says, those who cling to worthless idols turn away from God's love for them. But I, with shouts of grateful praise, will sacrifice to you what I have vowed I will make good. I will say salvation comes from the Lord. Uh, It's a beautiful, beautiful little verse at the end here. I want to say something about idols. It's really interesting that they come up at all. Remember that the other guys in the boat with Jonah had all been worshipping other gods. And they'd thrown everything out of the boat to try and save it. I assume that this had included the idols. Why throw the idols overboard? Well, once you finish praying to them, all they are is heavy weights in the boat. Are you with me? If they haven't provided salvation, they're just rocks. 
so our idols won't float. In the midst of the storm, we need to leave them alone. Secondly, we need to reach out our hand for God. We need to reach out a hand for God. Those who cling to worthless idols turn away from God's love for them. If you're clinging to a stone, you won't take the hand of the Saviour. The last bit is really interesting to me. Do you know that desperate, pride, uh, that desperate prayer, God save me? Did you ever make a bargain with God at that point? Some of you know this sort of feeling, right? God help me. If you do, I promise I... Do, do you know that feeling? I promise I. Well, I want you to see here, Jonah says, with shouts of grateful praise, I'll sacrifice to you. And then he says this, Really cutting line. What I have vowed, I will make good. There was a good Jonah. There was a promise-making Jonah. A Jonah who'd said, God, you know what? I'm on your team. I'm sure that was, the, that was the Jonah that God had commissioned to go to the great city of Nineveh. And so having found salvation, what does he say? Well, I'm actually going to keep my word. I'm going to do what I said that I would do. But it's funny to talk about idols. Um, apart from our architectural Buddhas, um, I don't know there's too many idols around uh, for us in Oran Park, are there? Well, how about if I explained it like a functional saviour? And you go, ah, what's a functional saviour? What do we turn to when things get hard? Well, here's one. We worship a pig. Well, no, it's the piggy bank, right? What's going to save me when everything hits the fan? We go, oh, we've got enough in the bank. We'll be all right. Maybe that's your idol. Or maybe it's not, and that's the cause for your cry. But maybe money's your idol. Or maybe it's medicine. They'll get, a, they'll get a, a, a solution to this problem and then the world can go back and everything will be okay. Our hope is in science and medicine. Money, medicine. Maybe if you're Elon Musk, uh, the hope is in Mars, right? What are we going to do? We're going to leave this planet and we're going to go and live on Mars. Everything will be okay then. We'll save the human race. Interestingly enough, the human race has more problems than the planet that it's on. Have you noticed this? There's a great thing that says, uh, wherever you go, there you are. And uh, our problems come with us. Going to Mars won't save the human race unless we save the human race. <laughs> the other thing that we could be trusting is my pantry, right? <laughs> my pantry. Now I've, got, I've stripped all the meat out of, um, out of Woolies. My, my, uh, my tiny freezer is now solid with meat. Just pray, Lord, that we don't have a blackout. Right? Now, is everyone feeling the existential threat? Is everyone knowing that our, our meat freezer is in fact our idol? Are you with me? My pantry is my idol. It's my functional idol, the thing that's saving me at the moment. Or maybe it's just my family, and, and I love family. And I'm glad that family can be around. But if our hope is entirely in our family, we might still just be being pleasant pirates. Now, all of these idols, we need to let go. And we need to let go of them if we're to take hold of the very salvation that God would offer us in the midst of a crisis. Now, this story has a great ending, doesn't it? This story has a great ending. Well, it's a, it's a disgusting ending, but kids, if you're still watching at home, it's a great ending. Have a listen to, verses, uh, to verse 10 in chapter 2. And the Lord commanded the fish, and the fish vomited Jonah onto dry land. Now, come on. Who doesn't want to see that uh, animated out? or painted in a majestic Renaissance style. 
it's, uh, it's quite a remarkable scene. And I guess I want to say rescue can be messy. What if you said, God, you know what? I want to be on your team. I'm sick of being a pirate. I want to be on your team. What does it look like? Does everything become brilliant and clean and easy in your life? Well, does it, church? It doesn't, does it? We can get saved by God and still have marital problems. We can get saved by God and still need work. We can get saved by God and still have our health concerns. Rescue can still be messy. But I want you to see, even covered in vomit, God has a plan for Noah, for Noah, for Jonah. God has a plan for Jonah. Even covered in vomit, he says, now go to the great city of Nineveh and proclaim the word that I've got for them. Even covered in vomit. So God will save you. You might still be messy, but he has a good plan and a good purpose for you. In fact, that's what the scriptures say. God does, just doesn't save us from, but he saves us for. Not just from, but for. In other words, he doesn't just say, I don't want you to be lost anymore. Congratulations, that's all good. He doesn't just save us from, but he saves us for. You know that beautiful feeling you have on Christmas Day when you look under the tree and assuming you have a half-decent family arrangement, there's actually presents under the tree for you. Anyone? Know that feeling? Great. What if I told you that it says in Ephesians that we are God's workmanship and that he's prepared good works in advance for us to do? Prepared good works in advance for us to do. What an amazing salvation we have. Not always pretty, not always easy, but into a life of purpose and meaning, even today. Well, how do we get from Jonah, old, ancient story, to Jesus? We know it's always going to come back to Jesus. How do we get to Jesus? How does Jonah and Jesus connect? Well, we've been working in the last term through Matthew's account of Jesus' life. You've got Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, four accounts in the start of the New Testament. In Matthew... If we come through on our Bible timeline here, in Matthew, we have this extraordinary exchange between Jesus and those who didn't like him. Have a listen to what it says. These, these Pharisees, the teacher of the Lord, come to Jesus and said, Jesus, you know what? You think you're important, but if you're the real deal, if you're really our savior, can you do a sign for us? Now, last week we saw he had a big catalog of signs. He'd been doing lots of incredible miracles. But here's how he responded to those who said, show us something and then we'll believe. He says this, a wicked and adulterous generation asks for a sign, but none will be given it except the sign of Jonah, the prophet. For as Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of a huge fish, so the son of man will be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. The men of Nineveh will stand up in the judgment with this generation and condemn it, for they repented. Spoiler alert for chapter three, if you're following along at home. But they repented at the preaching of Jonah, and now something greater than Jonah is here. What's the something that's greater than Jonah that's there that they should have looked at? The something greater than Jonah is Jesus. What's the sign? Well, Jesus told his disciples, we saw this last week in chapter 16, that he would be betrayed, that he would die on the cross. Jesus would die a death for the wicked. He said that he would be buried he would lie in the tomb for three days. There's your belly of the fish like Jonah. And then he said that he would rise on the third day. Jesus would lead out all the pit-bound people of the world. The pit is death. The resurrection shows Jesus has the capacity to take us forward. He's the one who can take us from death to life. 
He's the reason that we don't need to fear even amidst the current crisis. So what about our church in a coronavirus world? How should we behave? What should we do in a world like this? Well, the first thing to say is we want to keep doing a whole bunch of things that you already know. Our church is called New Life. What do we want to see? We want to see New Life in Jesus come to every home in Oran Park and the growing southwest all around, and maybe your couch at home where you are today, for your salvation, for the good of this community, and for the ultimate glory of God. That's what we're here for. How are we going to live that out in a world that's changing? Well, I've got some advice for us, some things for us to reflect on. I won't go into them in detail. I plan to unpack them in our newsletter and in various videos across the coming weeks. But I want us to think about the responses in three ways. I want, to think, want us to think about new patterns that we can put in place. I want about prevention, things that we should be wary of in this current environment, and some priorities that we need to put in place. So pattern, prevention, priority. We're going to think about these as a church we have four values. We talk about being faithful, adventurous, compassionate, enduring. And I want to explore each of these. How are we going to be faithful in a coronavirus world? Well, the first thing I want to encourage you to do is let's see if we can be still before we speak. You know that great, great psalm says, be still and know that I am God. If you're not commuting, you've got some more time. It might be crazy time, but I'd love us to find some time where we go, do you know what, God, I've actually got a little bit more time in my day. What I'm going to do, I'm just going to be still before I speak to you, just being still before the Lord. I want to encourage you, church, find the Bible before we get on our social media. Everyone prepared for the challenge of this? You with me? Go to God's Word before social media, before the news, before everything else. I want to see if we can have a pattern of seeking God first. Bible before social. Bible before social. You reckon you can do that? We'll give it a go. We'll see. The other thing I want to do is it's a pattern. It's a practice. Instead of worrying, turn our worries into prayer. Because God always has reception, because you'll never drop out, okay, don't sit there with a little unicycle in your head going round in small circles. What about, what about, what about, what about, but if my freezer breaks down, what if it, but, and, and will there be enough toilet paper? All the things, all the things that, that we are worrying about at the moment. Don't sit there stewing. The God who is genuinely there, the God who's really there, the God who loves you, the God who always hears you, wants to be your conversation partner. Turn your worries to prayer. Turn your worries to prayer. Here's a little uh, prevention, a little warning. Watch idols when we're idle. Okay? How will we be godly? How will we do everything the way that God wants? Well, I think it's possible when all of our patterns fall apart, when all of our regular rhythms fall apart, we can sway to our idols. Watch your idols when you're idle. What about priorities? I want to encourage you, let's be holy households, not hideouts, okay? Let, you know, I know your kingdom is your castle and all that, right? But wouldn't it be wonderful if instead we said, in my house, we're going to strive for holiness in this upturned world. Not hiding out, but cultivating holiness. That's faithful. Now, I've got a little practical thing. Um, I've got a Bible reading app on my phone. It's beautiful. It's called Dwell. They wrote to me yesterday and they said, you know what, I've got a free, they said to me, you write to me, I'm the pastor, 
write to me and I'll give you 60 days free for everyone in your congregation. I said, how amazing. That's, that's incredible, right? And so I'm going to make that link available in our newsletter this week. I'd love you to be listening to the Bible. It is the most incredible thing to just wander around. It, they've got six voices, so if you don't like, you know, Bob or Julia, whoever the names are, that's okay. But you can listen. And guys, I just put the Psalms on because often, often in, you know, Chronicles can get a little bit desperate or, or whatever. But put the Psalms in and just let the Word of God wash over you, particularly when you're upset. There you go. That's a little practical one for faithful. What about adventurous? We're a church that tries to be adventurous. Now, that's a wacky value for a church, isn't it, church? Yes. Uh, here's the, here's the, uh, the prevention. Not just uh, we can't, but as a church, let's try. Let's see. We're having a go today. Uh, apparently, there's a comment section below um, in our YouTube feed. If you've got comments for us on how we can do this better, type away. I'm pretty thick-skinned. Be gentle. Um, and tell us how we can do this better, right? We're going to try. We're going to try and do church in a scattered way. So let's try, not we can't. Uh, as a pattern, let's keep giving as we're living. We talk about giving the message of new life. That's making Jesus known. We talk about living new life for Jesus. And what I want to do is just say, don't just be a Christian. Speak of the hope that we have in Jesus. Be giving the message even as you're attempting to live it out. That'll always seem adventurous. But let's not neglect that at this present situation. And I want to say to you, church, and those of you who are watching, let's be kingdom-shaped. When we put God first, when we seek him first, let's let the kingdom shape us, not our fear. Not our fear. Let's be distinctly Christian. That will always seem adventurous as people are making a cue for whatever it is that's the next thing we chase after, after toilet paper has been rationed. Does anyone know what that is, by the way? What are we chasing after at the moment? Hand sanitizer. Great. Okay, very good. I love that now it's a good thing to say clean hands and clean hearts. It makes me very happy. It's fantastic. Um, here's somebody who did something adventurous, right? Something adventurous. Uh, this is a friend of mine on Facebook. What did she do? Well, the, the toilet paper is wrapped up. It's from a company called Who Gives a Crap. Yes, that's actually that. I'm not being rude on the stream. That's the name of the company. It's called Who Gives a Crap. And what she did was she, she wrote down on each of the toilet rolls where it says Who Gives a Crap. She said, we do. And she's handwritten a note with a roll of toilet paper and gone to her neighbours and gone, I guess left it at the door so they didn't touch or whatever social distancing things they needed to do. But to say, we love you. And the greatest act of love at the moment, cry love has no one than this, then he lays down his toilet roll for his... Maker. Look, I, I, I want to encourage you, church, let's find adventurous ways to show the love of Jesus in this present moment. What about being compassionate? These things are linked together. I want to encourage you to have connected streets. Don't be strangers. Uh, there was a, a little form I saw a little while ago. Um, some churches had printed off to say, hey, I'm your neighbor. Tick this box if you want to. And it's all branded up by their church. Can I just say, I thought of doing that. And it would be the easiest thing in the world for us to knock that up. But I actually think it's even better. Just write your own family down. It doesn't need to be branded by our church. Think about your street. Do as many houses as you're happy to cover. And go up and say, we're happy to help out. We'll pick groceries up for you. We'll drop things at your door. We'll mow the lawn if that's helpful, if you're in social isolation, whatever. Be creative and compassionate, church. I'll put the example up on our, uh, on our newsletter so you can see what that might be like. But I'd love us to be creative. I want to encourage you, church, as we just saw with the beautiful story that Lauren told, let's be into generosity and not hoarding. Wouldn't it be great to send the other message into our community? Here's my toilet paper. Here's some of my rice. 
Who are we looking to? Not my pantry, but the true and living God, Jesus, our Savior. Generosity, not hoarding. And I'd love us to have God's heart. God's heart is always about the least. God is always about the weak. Are we concerned or are we just comfortable that the fortress is stocked and the doors are locked? Because that isn't a Christian response. Generosity, not hardness, is where we need to go. And that, that story of our people pouring out their own, not their toilet paper, but their rice and various bits and pieces. I just loved it. There was toilet paper, Lauren? Hallelujah. That's a, that's a beautiful thing. Let's see, let's see more of that. Let's see more of that. Well, the last one is about enduring. How, how do we keep lasting on this race? Well, I want to encourage you, love your family. Of course you will, right? Who needs to be told to love their family? But I want to encourage you to love your church family as family. And that's why we'll be generous, isn't it? Why would someone give their toilet paper away to somebody else? It's because we're family. So church, can I implore you, let's love our family. Sure, I'm not going to tell you not to do that. But let's love our church family as as family. In the reading that Michael brought us, it says, do not grow weary in doing good, but love the brotherhood of believers. Okay, in Galatians 6, it says that, do not give up, uh, do not give up uh, being generous. So I want to encourage you, love your church as family. We're going to figure out how to meet without meeting. Apparently, we can Zoom things, and uh, I don't know what else we can do, but we'll work it out. It's a great experiment, meeting without meeting, but we need to encourage one another. And so we're going to do some proactive pastoring. And what that means, Lauren and uh, Michael and the team, Jeff and Stephen, we're going to try and be in touch with the people who are vulnerable at the moment. We're trying to be proactive. If you're a life group leader, we want you to call through the people in your life group. We are going to try and call up people who are the most vulnerable amongst us. And if you want to have a sheet like this, we just ask basic questions. How are you doing? Can we help you with X, Y, and Z? We'll make that available for you as well. Church, let's love one another so that we may all endure. Well, what do we do with a message like this? Number one, I want to say to you, church, stop running away, come home. Stop running away from God and come home. Let go of all non-floating idols. Really, we've got to trust God and not cling to our pantries and freezers. And we need to look for the good that God's prepared. I'm actually excited in this crazy world that we're in. I'm actually excited that God has got good works prepared in advance for us to do. So go looking for that. If I can finish with a daring thought, as apprentices to Jesus, I want us to be kingdom contagious. Kingdom contagious. Bring the values of our kingdom and spread them out into our world. Sure, sanitize your hands. But let's bring the kingdom to our friends, our neighbors, and to the wider world. Let me pray. Heavenly Father, you're a good and gracious God. We have hope. Maybe from the belly of the fish at the moment, we thank you that you can hear us. Lord, we cry out and ask that as a church, you might fill us with compassion. You might make us adventurous. You might keep us faithful. You might help us to endure. But we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. Well, at this time in our service, what we generally do is we get out our Care and Connect cards. So if you can all do that at home. No, you, you can't do that at home, can you? We, we ask people if they're new to be able to tick a box on here that says, I'd like to let you know I'm new. You can't do that either. So here's what we want to encourage you to do. We want to pray for you. We want to care for you. We want to know what your needs are. We want to hear your feedback. So instead of doing the card, why don't you drop us an email 
admin at newlifeanglican, all one word, .org.au. Let us know how we can pray. Let us know how we can ask that God would give you the fresh start we talked about today. We want to hear from your church. We want to hear how we can do this better. Give us some feedback. We'd love to hear from you on your virtual Care and Connect cards. Well, we're going to finish with a beautiful song today. It's a song that points us to the centrality and the essential quality of our Saviour Jesus, the one who picks us up when we're covered in vomit, the one who has a plan and purpose for us, the one who gives us hope even today in the midst of the coronavirus crisis, our cornerstone, Jesus Christ. Let's sing.